Well, when you hear the word compromise, sometimes it's good. It's like there are, like there's a dispute and arbitration, and they come together, and they say, well, I'll do this if you'll do this, and you say, okay, that's good. And so that's great. But compromise is bad when you give way on the things that you believe. Now, listen to this. There was a man, he was 14 years old, and he ran away from home. He fought in the French and Indian War. He later fought in the American Revolutionary War, and he shared a command with Ethan Allen. He led a 1,000 men into battle in Quebec. He was promoted to general, uh, brigadier general, but then he began to compromise. And what he believed about patriotism, what about the new country, and he sold himself to services of the British. And, of course, we all remember him as who? Benedict Arnold. You don't remember Benedict Arnold in a good way. You remember in a bad way because he compromised. And so when we think of compromise, compromise is bad whenever we move away from the things that we believe from the Word of God. And I know people that say, I used to believe that, but I don't believe that anymore. I used to believe this, but I don't believe that anymore. And you sometimes say, well, what does it say? Well, I know, but I just don't believe that. And they begin to move away. And so we live in a world, and we live in a time in which there's great compromise. And I mean, there, listen, y'all, there, there are things out there, and I don't want to get into specific, but there are people who say, God wants me happy, so I'm not going to live in this situation. Or I know that we're not married, but it doesn't really matter, you know, because we love each other, and someday we're going to get married. You know, and oh, we know this deal's a little bit shady, but it doesn't really matter because everybody does it. Sometimes we people compromise, and we don't want to compromise on the truths of the Word of God. When we look at Elijah, Elijah was a man called by God to confront the nation of Israel. The nation had compromised. Israel was not the light of the world. Did you know they were supposed to be the light of the world? They were supposed to proclaim the message of the true God. Israel worshiped false gods and married unbelievers. And we'd say, what? What are you talking about? This is God's chosen people that he brought out of, you know, brought out of Egypt, all of that thing. And then Israel disobeyed the word of God. Now, we're talking about a people group, and a lot of people want to equate Israel with us. And they'll say, oh, if God did that to Israel, he's got to do that to the United States. First of all, we're not God's chosen people. We're a, a, a nation. We're one of the nations of the world. But we're not the nation of Israel. We're not God's chosen people. And when people take the Second Chronicles passage and says, if my people are called by my name, they want to use that for the United States. That is not us. That's the nation of Israel. And he's talking about they're compromising and turning away from God. And if they would turn back to God, he wouldn't judge them. And they didn't. And he did judge them. He took them off into captivity. So be sure that when you study the Bible that you make sure you're looking at it as context. What we're going to do in our study, and I, this, I don't know how long this will go. So if it goes too long, I'll just kind of stop and we can go to our groups. But uh, we want to look at two men. Okay, as we do this study for the next few weeks on the life of Elijah, we're going to see two men. One is a king, his name is Ahab, and he's the king of Israel. And when we look at this man, he is a man who compromised. In fact, he, leaded the, he led the nation to compromise. He was the king of Israel. He compromised by two things, by who he married and by who he worshipped. Now, we would say this, well, what, what's wrong with who he married? Well, remember, he's supposed to marry a believer, he's supposed to marry a Jewish person. He didn't marry a believer, and he didn't marry a Jewish person. Second is, who is he supposed to worship? He's supposed to worship the true God. He didn't worship the true God. So when you look at this, this is the king of Israel who's married somebody he's not supposed to marry and is worshiping, we'd say, false gods. So that's leading the nation away from what they're supposed to do. We're also going to meet a man by the name of Elijah. And Elijah is a, pro a prophet raised up by God to confront this king and the nation of Israel. Now, let me tell you, if, if you talk to Elijah and you say, hey, God's got a great job for you, 
Your job is to go confront a wicked king and the nation of Israel has turned away from God. He'd be going, oh yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. No, he didn't want to do that. In fact, many of the prophets, when God sent them to give their messages, and if you remember, most of the prophets' messages were the nation to turn back to God because they turned away from God. Uh, they were persecuted. Even Elijah's persecuted. And so when we look at this, Elijah, this is not an easy thing for him to do. And uh, a, a guy writes and says, to stop the apostasy of the nation, God raises up Elijah. And what we do is we see a man the life of a man willing to stand for God in the midst of a fallen nation and culture. Now, let me ask you something. What do you think about our nation right now? How's it going? It's not going very good, besides the virus and the protests and the issues and the political systems. and It's just a disaster in our country. And, uh, I mean, when, when, I, when I read that some governor or some mayor said, if a church meets, I'm going to cut off their water and their electricity, there's something wrong in our country. There's something wrong. Uh, there's something wrong when you can storm something and burn it up and nobody says anything, but when you want to meet together as believers, there's something wrong with that. You can't do that. But we've got issues in our country, and are we going to stand for what's right? Are we going to compromise? Are we going to move away? Uh, so what are we going to do? And, and when we look at this, it's kind of amazing when you look at the life of Elijah, you see a man who's going to stand for God. And Elijah was a prophet. What do you think of when you think of a prophet or you think of Elijah? Well, the truth is you think of this guy who um, had long hair probably and wore uh, you know, some kind of clothes and, and long hair and proclaimed loudly and all this stuff. Well, he, he did some of that. Uh, you know, some of the prophets had to do a lot of weird things. Elijah... Is not found in the prophet books. If you remember, the Old Testament is is the, you know set aside with the Torah and the writings and and the, the history part, and then the prophets. But Elijah is a prophet of God, but he's not in the prophets. He's in First and Second Kings, and so it's like Daniel. We say Daniel was a great prophet, but the Book of Daniel's not. If in our prophets, but in the Jewish Bible, it wasn't in the prophet section. He was a statesman. So when we look at Elijah, we say, where is Elijah? Don't go saying, I'm going to look for the prophet book Elijah. There's not one. He is found in First and Second Kings, and we see him. that uh, He is a man sent by God to confront. Let me give you a sort of an outline of what we're going to do. And we're going to see, first of all, and this morning we're going to do this. We're going to get the historical background. We're going to talk about the nation. We're going to talk about Elijah. And we're going to talk about Ahab. We're going to talk about those, those things this morning. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at Ahab. And we're going to see his wickedness. We're going to see who he married and who he worshipped. That's the thing. And this is what's leading the nation. And then we're going to take some time and look at Elijah. And we're going to look at 1 Kings 17, some other places, 2 Kings 1. We're going to see the drought. If you remember when I say the drought, what's the drought about? Do you remember? Elijah goes to Ahab and says, except by my word, there will be no rain. Elijah says, I'm stopping the rain. Can you imagine going to somebody and saying, by the way, I'm saying from this day forward, there's not going to be any rain until I say there's going to be rain. And there becomes a drought. And it's a drought that lasts three and a half years. We'll talk more about it. We're going to see the battle on Mount Carmel, which is amazing. I've been on Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel overlooks the Mediterranean Sea. It's beautiful. It's a big, tall mountain. And we see that that's where he had a contest, the battle between him and the prophets of Baal. And then we're going to see Elijah runs from Jezebel. By the way, you know, uh, when you say the word Jezebel, what do you think of? I mean, when, you, when somebody says, that woman's a Jezebel, uh, what does that mean? Well, that means she's kind of a wicked woman. That she's a woman you don't want to deal with. Well, she was more wicked than her husband. He, he's a bad king and a bad man, but she's what made him bad. 
I mean, she helped, let's put it this way, she helped him be better, okay? I mean, that's the way she was. And we're going to see, Elijah actually runs from her, and we'll talk more about that later. We're going to see depression. Uh, I do a study. I've taught it in our, in our grow groups before in the past, and I've taught it at GES and different places, the how to deal with depression. And you can go to the, to the book of, you can go to the Kings and look at the life of Elijah and see how God dealt with Elijah, because Elijah got depressed, we say, oh, prophet of God doesn't get depressed. I mean, they stand around saying, I know what's right. Well, he did. He knew what was right. He got depressed and wanted to, he wanted to kill himself, by the way. You realize that? And so we're going to see what happened there. And then we're going to see his translation into heaven. Uh, a flaming chariot came down and did what? Just scooped him right up. He's one of the two people in the Bible that didn't die. Who's the other one? Enoch. Enoch walked with God and God took him. And then Elijah was taken just off the face of the earth. Well, we're going to see that. Let me, let me tell you, there's some famous things. If I said, what are some famous things about Elijah? We know that he called down fire on Mount Carmel. If you remember, he got the prophets of Baal and they, put, uh, they made these altars. And he said, y'all make an altar and call on God. And whoever, whoever answers first is the true God. And so they called on God and nothing happened. He made an altar later on, poured water on it, and then called down. Fire came down, burned it all up, and they killed all these people. That's a really famous event. And then his confrontation of Ahab and Jezebel. He actually goes in front of everybody and confronts the wicked king. And then the last thing that's famous is taken to heaven in a flaming chariot. He and Elisha were together when that happened. Those are famous events. But there's some other things that you may not know about. How about parting the Jordan River? I always ask people, how many times did God part the waters in the Bible? And people go, two. When? And I say, well, when Egypt came out of Egypt and when the nation of Israel went into the promised land. I said, no, there's two more. And they have to do with Elijah. And we'll talk about that. And then we're going to see where he raises a little boy from the dead. And that's a story that if I said to you, did Elijah raise somebody from the dead? You might say, I don't know, I never heard that. But he did. And so that's not so famous and we'll be seeing that. So let's start and get a little background uh, and, and talk about what's going on. You remember... Who was the first king of the nation of Israel? Who? Saul. Saul was the first one. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and King Saul. Now, who was the second king of the nation of Israel? David, King David. We love David. And who was the third king of the nation of Israel? Who? Solomon. That's right, Solomon. And then what happened when Solomon died and his son Rehoboam was supposed to become, well, did become the next king, but then something happened. Anybody know what happened? There was a division, exactly right. After Solomon died, by the way, Saul ruled for 40 years, David ruled for 40 years, Solomon ruled for 40 years, first three kings all ruled for 40 years, and then after Solomon died, Rehoboam became the king, and then there was a big split, and so there was two things. The nation of Israel divided. There was a northern kingdom with a capital at Samaria, that's a city, and it was called Israel. There was a southern kingdom, the capital was at Jerusalem, and it was called Judah. So now there's two different areas, and uh, I don't know, this is not a great map of it. I tr- couldn't find the one I really wanted, but here's the northern part of Israel. There's Samaria. That's the capital. Here's the southern part of Israel. That's the capital, Jerusalem, and they divided, and so uh, a king into the north with Jeroboam became king there, and the king of the south, Rehoboam, and so you, from that point on, you had a split. Now, what we're talking about in our study is Elijah confronts the king of the north, Samaria, the, king, the northern kingdom, never 
ready for this? Never had a believing king. Never had a believing king. Never. Now, the southern kingdom had some believing kings. Had people like Hezekiah, some people like that, you know, Josiah. They had believing kings, but the northern kingdom had no believing kings. And so at the time that we're studying, the king of the north, his name is Ahab. And he's married to Jezebel. And God sends the prophet Elijah to meet him. So the northern kingdom never had a believing king. Southern kingdom had a few. Uh, Asa, Hezekiah, Josiah, those people. In God's power, Elijah confronts the northern kingdom. And uh, to turn back to God. Now let me tell you what. Let me just give you. You know what happened. The northern kingdom never turned back to God. And he allowed the Assyrians to come in in uh, 721 B.C. and take them off. And then about 100 years later, he allowed the Babylonians to come in and take the southern kingdom off. So Elijah is saying to the northern empire, if you don't turn back to God, God's going to judge you. And they wouldn't turn back to God, and Ahab was bad. And in fact, Ahab was the worst king up to that point in time. And God came in and took him away. 722, 721 B.C., the Assyrians came in and took off the northern empire. So let's look at these two people. The two key men is Elijah and Ahab. Let's talk for just a little bit about Elijah. I, I, when you think of Elijah, <clears throat> his name is, my God is, my name is God, Eli. Eli, I am, I am God. And, and uh, Gene Getz said, along with Moses, Elijah stands out as one of the most influential and powerful people in the Old Testament. When you start naming people, you'd say, if I said name Old Testament people, you'd probably say, okay, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and maybe Saul, or maybe, maybe Solomon, uh, Noah, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, you start naming. But when you really think about it, there's Moses who's so powerful. There's, there's Elijah that is so powerful. I mean, he just stands out because what he does and... Uh, you know, it, it, it's powerful. We remember Elijah was, uh, by the way, okay, so I just said Moses was great, Elijah was great. In the transfiguration, when Jesus is standing on the Mount of Transfiguration is transfigured before Peter, James, and John, who appears with Jesus? Moses and Elijah, the two, two powerful people from the Old Testament. And uh, so it's powerful stuff. James chapter 5 says that Elijah was a, person just like us. When you read some of these people, you say, oh, no, 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 no. They, they were amazing. They were so much better than us. They were so much different than us. I mean, we just were ordinary people, but he was great. The Bible says he's just like us, but he was willing to stand. And it may come, a day may come, when we're going to have to be willing to stand for what we believe. It may come. And that we're going to have to stand and say, we believe the Bible, we believe this, we're going to meet together, we want to do this, we have the right to do these following things. It may come to that one of these days. You know, I, I used to say one of these days it may come to that, but I was thinking like a long time in the future. And I don't know if it's going to be that long in the future anymore. He was a man with fears and doubts. In fact, to, to, there's fear while standing strong. That's courage. When you're afraid and you stand strong, that's courage. That's what it is. And he's a great encouragement for us as we think about our times, our world. Elijah means Yahweh is my God. Or I, my, you know. And he was from a town called Tishbe. Look at chapter 17. Look at verse 1. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, 
As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, behold, before whom I stand, surely there'll be no dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now, do you know that that's the first time Elijah's ever mentioned? There is no background. There is nothing that says, now there was this guy and he had a wife and then they had a son and their son's name was this. And There's no background. Suddenly, out of nowhere, you meet a guy by the name of Elijah. And uh, as Swindoll says, I like what Swindoll says, Elijah suddenly appears on the scene and then just as mysteriously disappears into the sky. He just all of a sudden shows up. If you're reading the Bible, and many, most of you read it, if you're reading First uh, Kings and you're just reading through, all of a sudden in chapter 17, there's this guy named Elijah. He just appears. And you go, who is this guy? Where did he come from? And you start looking around and there's nothing. There's nothing there. He just appears. And so Swindoll says he suddenly appears and then he suddenly disappears. And Tom Constable, who was my, one of my professors at Dallas Seminary, said, because of the wickedness of Ahab, Ahab and Jezebel, God uses Elijah to confront the nation. Wow. Um, it's hard confronting, and then it is. Well, let's look at the second guy. This is Ahab. Ahab, it, look at his background. And, and let me just say this. Ahab... To understand Ahab, you have to understand his family. He is the king of the north. Before him was his father named Omri. Omri was the king before Ahab. And uh, the Bible tells us that in 1 Kings 16.25, that Omri had done more evil than any other king before him. So Ahab's father was the worst king. And now Ahab comes along, and guess what? He's even worse than his father. And I, I, I think that part of the reason he's worse than his father was who he married. And, you know, I'm not getting on women at all. I'm, we're getting on this one woman because she is wicked and evil. She'll not hesitate. You know, we'll see her story. You know what she does? Her, let me just throw this out because we've got just a minute. Uh, the king goes to a guy and says, I'd like to buy your land. I'd like to buy, his name's Naboth, I'd like to buy this land because it's pretty close to mine, and I'd like to buy it. And he says, no, I can't sell it because it's my family's land, and I don't want to sell it. So the king comes back, and he's all mad, and Jezebel says, what you mad about? He says, I want, that, that, I want to buy that land from Naboth. She says, well, you're the king. Why can't you just get the land? He says, no, I can't do it. So she goes, and she gets some worthless men, and they write a letter that says, Naboth blasphemed God. And they called Naboth to a meeting to eat. And as they were all eating, these two men came in and said, Naboth blasphemed God. And everybody looked at him and said, did he? And they jumped on him and killed him. And she goes back to her husband and says, now you can take his land. That's the kind of woman she is. That's what she's like. That's why to say you're a Jezebel is not a, a, a good word to say to a woman. And so we're going to see that his daddy was more evil than all kings before him. And then he became king. He reigned for 22 years, and he was worse than any king. Let me, let me just read this to you. Verse 29 says, Now Ahab the son of Omri became king over Israel in his 38th year of Asa the king of Judah. Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel for 22 years, and the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. Can you imagine being listed in the Bible and they say, uh, you did more evil than anybody else before you as a king. 
you say, could, it, could you take that verse out? You know, I, I don't want anybody to know all that, but it's true. It's true, evil, evil, evil. So there's two things about him we want to remember him for, his marriage to Jezebel, the evil woman, and his worship of idols, Baal and Asheroth. Baal, and Baal was a god. <clears throat> the word Baal means god. And the word Asheroth, we're not sure exactly what that was. Some thinks it's dealing with a female deity. Some thinks it's, it's just some kind of statue or something that people worship, but we don't know for sure. But uh, they put up Asheroth poles and Baal, and so who knows, who knows. And what we might say, uh, let me read this to you because you, you're not going to believe this. Is the, let me find the verse. It came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nabat. He married Jezebel, the daughter of Elpal, king of the Sidonians, and went and worshipped Baal and served and worshipped him. He, he, he not only married somebody that wasn't Jewish, that was, but he married someone who caused him to worship false gods. And so he was worst. Sin always causes destruction. Let me, let me throw this out because it's on a little handout of the teachers when we go to the classroom in a minute. What do we do? What do we do when we sin? What are we supposed to do? Let's say, we'll say it again. Confess it. That's what we're supposed to do. We're, when we sin, when we recognize we sin, we are to confess it. It says, if we confess our sin, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us that sin and to cleanse us from... All unrighteousness. So it's a great thing. Let me tell you. Confession of sin is a great thing because the moment you confess sin, not only is the sin you've done, but any other sin that you haven't even thought about is going to be wiped out. But there's another part to it. What do you do after you confess that sin? You forsake that sin. The goal is, listen, it, it, we sin. But we're not supposed to say, I sin, but it doesn't matter because I'll just do it again because all I have to do is confess it. No. He says, confess and forsake. And that's the plan. That's what we're supposed to do. So what have we seen? The background of Elijah. There's so much. And listen, when we start getting into the stories, which will be next week, I think it's going to be powerful. So here's what I want you to do. Oh, oh, by the way, sins before him weren't bad enough. He did worse. He married Jezebel. So here's our applications. So let's read. And you, if you want to, to get ready for next week, just read First Kings 16, 17, and 18. Those three chapters, it'll give you a good idea of who these people were. We see Ahab and Elijah. So I just read those uh, between now and next week. Second, let's take a stand for Christ in our fallen world. Now, this is, a lot of, this is a lot harder than reading a couple of chapters from the Bible. I mean, this is as Elijah was raised up by God to confront the world, we may be raised up to be lights as well. Now, we, we want to show love, and this is the key. The key is that they'll know us by our what? By our love. We've got to love people, but we've got to stand for what's right, but we love people. And you can do both. We don't have to be harsh. We can just be loving. And that's the key. Let's take a stand in our fallen world. And the third thing is just realize the consequences of sin. Uh, it, you could say, well, Ahab was a sinful man, so it affected Ahab and his family. No, it affected who? The entire nation. And when you sin, and when I sin, when we sin, we might say it only affects me. No, it doesn't affect you. It affects your family. It affects those around you. And, you know, we never sin in a vacuum and realize the consequences of sin. And when Ahab and Jezebel, married Jezebel and began to worship false gods, it continued what his father Omri had already done. It continued moving the nation of Israel further and further away from God. So let's realize. So how do you view sin? And do we understand the consequences of sin? Listen, I, I got, I got. Well, it's time, but I got to tell you this quick story. I had a friend in college, 
And I'm just going to tell you his first name. His name was George. And I, he was a great, great guy. And he was on the track team with us, and I loved him. And uh, he was sharp. I mean, always dressed sharp. He was so neat, smart. And uh, when we graduated from college, uh, he went to coach in high school. And he coached boys and girls track. And then he got attracted to a high school girl and then had problems and went to prison. And I think about George, and I think George was so great, so sharp, so smart, so everything. And he ended up in prison because of he moved further and further away from what's right. And we got to be real careful because it's not, it's not hard to move away from what's right. It's easy to move away from what's right. It's hard to stand strong. And that's what Elijah, God says, Elijah, go to that king and tell him there's not going to be any rain until you say so. That's how it starts. And if you're the king, you know what you might want to say? Can somebody kill us? Would somebody kill this man? They tried to kill him. They couldn't find him. They couldn't find him for years. They'd look everywhere. They couldn't find him. God hid him for, for years.